Revelation chapter 22, and I'd like to read verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, and spend a little time on verse 9. This one of the seven angels is who appeared to John, and I just have to go back to the first part of this book and read about the seven churches of Asia and their seven angels, and it tells us earlier here uh, chapter 21 that this one of the seven angels who had the seven last plagues appeared to John and gave him this beautiful picture or allowed him to see brought him over to see the church New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven in its glorified state and John got to see what the church would be like in the glorified state we we see it through by faith John got to see it by sight He also got to see a fellow pastor in the eyes uh, that God looks at them. And that is why. And I was reading the commentary this afternoon that said that John bowed down to this uh, angel to worship him and he was displaying his depravity. Well, John didn't have to bow down to worship an angel to display his depravity. I think he was just caught. I believe he was just caught. The, the, The glory of someone that's been in the presence of the Lord would catch us too. We'd just say, my goodness, how can it be such? Those who've gone on before us, they, we'd look at them and say, oh my, how could it be such? We cannot imagine the glory of being in the presence of the Lord. So that's the way I'm going to view this, that John was just caught. <clears throat> I'm not going to say off guard, but he was caught and he attempted to worship this angel, and this angel stopped him. Now, an angel, very, very seldom does it mean a winged creature. Most of the time, it really means a messenger. That's what it means. And it can be a creature that God created that's uh, higher than our creation. He uh, made us a little lower than the angels, and he made the Son of Man a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. So there is a higher creation, and they have their place, and God has called on them, and many of them fell with, with Lucifer, and they lost their first estate, and there is no redemption for those. They are bound in chains until that day when they shall be punished, cast into the lake of fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. So there are beings that God has in his service that are above us. But, and they're called messengers. And now he has messengers that are not beings that are above us, but are just those who carry out the, the message or the, uh, the, the service of the Lord. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 6, it says, And he saith unto me, that's this one, this angel, These sayings are faithful and true, The Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto you his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then said he unto me, And in verse 3, or excuse me, verse 9, there are three reasons he gives for not worshiping him. Number one, for I am thy fellow servant. Number two, and of thy brethren the prophets. 
And number three, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, colon, worship God. Now that's what we'd like to look at. Is that verse 9? These three statements, why the angel, why this messenger, why this preacher in this state called on John not to worship him. Now if he'd have been a modern person, he'd have said, go right ahead. But since he was an angel of the Lord, he prevented it. Three reasons why. I am thy fellow servant. Now this word fellow servant comes to us from a word which are a couple of words. One who serves the same master as another. If we are working for the same master, we're fellow servants. Or it was used as one who with others serves a king. One who ministers to a king. They have equal position before the king. That's what a fellow servant is. It's a Someone who is equal in the service of a king or someone who is equal in the service of a master. There's no great big eyes and little use when it comes to a fellow servant. Now, uh, I'd like to look at a few verses of scripture that use this word fellow servant. And we find out that John is dealing with someone that was equal to him. He is not higher than him. He is equal to him. And he shares this equality by saying, I am your fellow servant. Now, uh, clothed in the raiment that he had, and in the glory of his uh, being in the presence of the Lord, and being able to share the great glory of, uh, of Christ and the glory of the church, he was in such a, a state that it would draw upon anyone who is in this life to say, you know, this is a pretty important person. I am going to submit, submit myself to him. And yet we find that this angel, this fellow servant says, stop, don't do that. Now, we're going to f conclude to tonight with one verse. And I'm going to jump ahead. Thomas said to Jesus Christ, my Lord and my God. Now, I have a translation in my uh, study. It's put out by the Watchtower Society. You know how that verse is translated in the Watchtower Society Bible? My Lord and my God, capital L, capital G. <laughs> they didn't mess with that verse. Next time I visit with one of them, I'm going to say, there it is right there. Your Bible says, Jesus is my Lord and my God. All right. Turn with me to the book of Colossians, if you would. And we find here this word, this fellow servant, equal servant, servant of a king. And truly the Lord is our king and are a servant of a master. And we're co-equal. We're going to get co-pay. We're going to get uh, co-dealt with in the same manner. And that's just the way it is. We're equal this way. And that's one of the reasons that this angel, this messenger said, don't worship me, John. I am your co-worker. I am your co-servant. I am your fellow servant. We're equal and we're serving the same one, the Lord. In the book of Colossians chapter 1, we find this word is brought in again here. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7. And it shares with us here about a person, Epaphras. It says, our dear fellow servant. 
Now that's a, a wonderful way of looking at people in the church and a wonderful way of looking at people that God calls to the ministry. He never intended for there be to a hierarchy in either. There will not be a hierarchy in the church, and there will not be a hierarchy among ministers. There are fellow servants or fellow workers. As it says here, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. We're equal, and that's the word that that angel, that messenger used with John. And this is one reason, don't bow to me. We're fellow servants. And then in the same book, Colossians chapter 4, we have this word used here too. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 7, and it says, All my state shall Tychius declare unto you, who is a, is a beloved brother, and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. Three different words used in that verse of scripture about the relationship between these two. And that's the way it is among the church. What's it say? Declaring to you who is a beloved brother. And that's where the brothers and sisters all inherit equally. Only place. And a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. So there's an equality here. We find no other place. And this messenger, this angel, was what honor he gave to the Lord to say, John, don't bow. Bow to him. I'm not worthy of this. John, uh, uh, the Baptist, even was shared this. He must increase, I must decrease. I'm not even worthy to take off his sandals. But we're all fellow servants of him. And then you know, that same word is used a number of times in Matthew chapter 18. Would you turn over here? And it helped me a lot with this parable that the Lord shared in Matthew chapter 18. Because the word fellow servant is used here. It means they had the same position before the king. One was not in a better position than the other. In fact, he really was worse off because of debt. <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter 18, and there in verse 23, we read these words. It says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. We've got a king. We have a king with servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, in today's language, that would be a bunch, a lot, millions of dollars. He's a fellow servant of someone else, though. Now, he owes a lot, and the king is going to reckon. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants. The fellow servant was co-equal with his relationship to the king. Found his fellow servant. And it says here, um, fell down. Let me back up here. But the same servant, verse 28, and found one of his fellow servants, which he owed him a hundred pence, 
and that's just a few dollars, if that. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Now the first fellow servant fell down at the feet of the king and said, Lord. The second fellow servant fell down at the feet of this person and didn't bring that up. He was not his Lord. He only, there's only one Lord, one king, and that's who the fellow servants serve. Have patience with me and I'll pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he had, should pay the debt. And so when his fellow servants saw that what was done, they were very sorry and came and unto their Lord and told their Lord all that was done. Now, you know the rest of the story, but we have fellow servant, fellow servant, fellow servants. They're all at an equal position before this king. And that's a wonderful thing about the church. There is equality, absolute equality. Nobody is unequal. We have the same position with Christ. We have the same blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Same forgiveness, same redemption, same altar, same sanctuary, same rock, same shadow, same, same, same. And here this person who is termed an angel, a messenger of the Lord, says, don't worship me because I'm your fellow servant. Now, going back over there, we find that the, he mentions another reason. And of thy brethren, the prophets, I've been a minister. And ministers don't do this. Ministers don't worship anybody but the Lord. God's ministers worship Christ and Christ alone. And that's it. And we're on an equal basis. Now, it doesn't matter whether there are those who want to hold a position. When it comes to Christ, there is no positions. We're ministers of a king. And he says, I'm thy, of thy brethren, the prophets. Now, this word prophet means someone who shares, someone, a spokesman. Solemnly declares to men what he has received. That is all a prophet is. He is nothing until he gets a message. He is nothing until God speaks to him what he wants him to say. He is a silent person until he is made a prophet by the master. The master is not going to say anything. There's no job to be done. Now, when, it was in the, when they were in court or uh, in a situation in the early days in the eastern countries, this person had nothing to do until he was called on by the king to speak for him. Now, he was not to speak anything but what he was given. He had a note. He had a message. He had a letter. He had something, and that's all he was to declare. That's what Moses was given. That's what Joshua was given. That's what Isaiah was given. You think Isaiah is a tough book? I shared that with someone on Wednesday or the Sunday night. Isaiah is a tough book. But who gave it? God. God gave it to Isaiah to give to Israel and Judah and to us. It is God's book to his people. And that's the way every book is and every message ever recorded in all of the books was a message but that God gave to his preachers. Now he said, if someone says something and it doesn't come to pass, take him out and stone him. Because I didn't give him that message. 
my messages are true and faithful and they will be fulfilled. All right? And an apostle. There were, not the name, but the persons in the Old Testament as well as the New who were apostles. An apostle is a delegate or a messenger or one sent forth with orders. So we have an apostle and a prophet. These are those people that God has set aside for the purpose of declaring his word. And they are a delegate. They are a messenger. They're one sent forth with orders. And this angel shared with John, don't worship me because I am one of the prophets. I am only speaking by orders. I have no message of my own. I have a message that came from God. Now, I'd like to read three verses, and they're all found in the book of Ephesians with regard to this apostles and prophets. It's a word that's used almost synonymously, and we immediately think of 12 apostles. And the Lord had 12 apostles, and he sent them forth to preach. They were sent forth, and they had a special place in the with the Lord during his earthly ministry. But they're not the only apostles and the apostleship. Now, we're not going to elect new apostles. That's, there are those who want to, and there are those who do elect new apostles. We're not into that. We're into the necessity of having someone sent from God with a message. That's an apostle and a prophet. And John was told by this angel, don't fall down and worship me because I'm just someone sent by God with a message. I'm not worthy to be worshipped. He could have said, I'm a sinner saved by grace. All right. Look with me here in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, three times, there, this word prophet is combined with the word, with the word apostle. And we have this delegate or a messenger, one sent with orders, and someone who has solemnly declares to men what he has received. The book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm of thy brethren the prophets. I've been sent. I'm one sent, but I have a message. And this message is right out of the book. That's the message of the prophet. Now, if the message does not come from the book, it's not a prophet. Now, he may be somebody's prophet, but he's not the prophet of the Lord. Now, I want to read one verse uh, a little bit later here about a prophet that he wasn't the Lord's prophet, but he did say a message. All right, let's look here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, And are built upon the foundation. Let's back up here just a little bit. Verse uh, 20. 18, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, what is the foundation of the apostles and prophets? What is he, what is he sharing with us there? He's sharing with us that the church is built on the message that Christ is the Messiah. 
He is the chief cornerstone. We have nothing unless we have him. He is the foundation and we have nothing unless we have him. And Moses declared that and every prophet in the Old Testament declared the same message, the gospel, that he is the chief cornerstone. And we have nothing unless we have him. That's the message of apostles and prophets. It is not politics. It is not social issues or moral issues. It is Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the only Savior. That's the message of God's apostles and God's prophets. An apostle is someone, a delegate, a messenger, one sent forth with orders. And in those orders, the prophet finds he is to declare only what he has received. And that's the prophet that this angel is sharing with John. I'm just one of those God sent. And I just had a message that God gave me. And that's all it is. And I'm a nothing besides that. If I didn't have that, I'm a nothing. If I'm not sent, I'm a nothing. If I'm not called, if I'm not sent, I'm a nothing. All right, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 5. It shares these. Which in other ages was not made known unto us the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirits, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, and by the same body and partakers of the promises, a promise in Christ by the gospel. What is it? Revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. What is that? Gentiles are going to be saved the same way the Jews are going to be saved. The apostles, those that were sent with a message, and the prophets who were to declare only what they received. The apostles and prophets. And all of the apostles and all of the prophets in the Old Testament would readily declare, just like this one did, he must increase, I must decrease. He is important, I am not important. I am just A sinner saved by grace, and God sent me with a message. And that's the easy part. The message, uh, understanding it is hard. We got the message. Don't share anything but the Word of God. The message is easy. Now, it may be difficult sometimes finding where we're supposed to be in it. And we may not understand what it says, but the message is easy. It's contained here. If it's anywhere besides here, it's not an apostle and prophet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, this combination is used again. An apostle, a delegate, a messenger, one sent forth with orders. One sent forth with orders. In the New Testament, it talks about the apostle Barnabas. He was just one that was sent forth with orders. And he was a prophet. Not that he necessarily, and usually when we hear the word prophet, or people try to portray the word prophet, is they're going to open up the future. That's not what the book of Revelation is all about. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. A prophet is going to open up the message of grace. A prophet is going to open up the message of Christ. He's not going to have to open up the future. We know very little about it. Christ is coming back. When? Don't know. How? 
I just don't know a whole lot about it. But I know he's coming back. That is his promise. But we don't know much about the future. We don't know much about tomorrow. We don't know much about what's going to happen in 10 minutes. Do we know anything? We surmise, we guess, we hope, we pray. But that's it. That's not my business. My business is not trying to see in the future. Our business is not trying to see in the future. Our business is to take a message that's been given and give it as it was given. Don't add to. That's going to be brought out here in the book of Revelation. Don't take from the message. Leave it alone. Leave the results alone. Leave the message alone. He called his people to be deliverers of a message. I think part of what I don't like about news broadcasters anymore is they, they uh, editorialize. We have very few that actually report the news. they got to editorialize. And that's probably easy. What, what slant you have, it's probably easy to want to editorialize. And that's a problem when preachers want to editorialize the Bible. Leave it alone. It is given by God. It's a message from God. It's His message. And He wants it left intact. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. And He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers... What? For. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what they're for. That angel in his life, his whole job was to edify the body of Christ. That was his goal, his ministry. And God allowed him, of his own sovereign will, allowed him. John, come over here. i got something to show you. Now, you and I get to do that same thing. Friend, come over here. i got something to show you. I want to show you the church in its glorified state and what this is in Christ. we got the same message. we got the book. All right, and then would you turn with me to Titus? Titus uses this word, but it tells us about the prophet. Titus chapter 1, verse 12, tells about... Uh, the Cretan prophet. Now this is what the Cretan prophet had to say. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. That's the Cretan prophet. Now I'm glad I'm not in his ministry. Pro- same word. Someone who is sent to tell the message. Now, I liked what we had, a, we had a minister here many years ago, and he said, David said, in my haste, all men are liars. I liked what he had to say about it. David could have said that just walking away. He didn't even have to say it in his haste. All men are liars. All right. Now, the third thing that this angel, this messenger brought up was, I am of them which keep the sayings of this book. And I said, whoa, that's interesting. 
Wouldn't you like to keep the sayings of this book? Here is a, a messenger who is a fellow servant. He is a prophet like John, a, tells the truth about God, and he concludes this reason for not worshiping him by saying, I am of them which keep the sayings of the book. And I says, Wow. Now, I know he's not presumptuous. This man, this angel is not presumptuous. He's not bragging. He's making a statement. He is making a statement that he has been given the uh, privilege of keeping the sayings of this book. And I says, how can that be? How can this angel, this messenger this prophet, this fellow servant, say that. And then I went back to where the same word is used. I just, oh, hallelujah. I found out something about the Lord today I didn't know. And it's always good. You find out something about the Lord, it's always going to be good. It's never going to be negative. It's always going to be a benefit to us. And we find out that we have more benefits than we thought we did. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 17. John chapter 17, four times this word is used. Keeping the word. Keeping the word. And we find out here, thank God it wasn't left up to me. Because I don't keep the word on a daily basis. Not alone in a lifetime. Left to myself, I'd never be able to stand before John and say... Well, you know, I I am your fellow servant, and I I tried to, but to keep the sayings of this book, sorry, I'll have to step aside on that point, because I don't keep it like I want to, not even like I should. But turn with me to John 17. In John 17, this this is just, this is good. And this 17th chapter of John, I'm telling you, it just, it's so full. John 17, verse 6, the same word is used here, and it's used by the Lord in his visit with his father. This is a prayer, and he's going to use the same word. As John, the angel of said, I am of them that keep the sayings of this book. Boy, I want to be in that group. I want to be found with that statement. I want to have the Lord say, you kept the sayings of the book. Beginning to end. John chapter 17, verse 6. The Lord Jesus said this. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Now he's qualifying who he is speaking about. And he does that. And it's sad, but if you read some commentaries, they take that privilege away from the Lord Jesus. He's speaking about those the Father gave him. In other words, he's speaking about the sheep. In other words, he's speaking about the elect. In other words, those in the covenant of grace. That's who he's speaking about. There in John chapter 17, verse 6, it says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. How? Look at Peter. He denied the Lord three times. Look at the rest of the apostles. They ran away. Wow, in the world. In Christ. 
That is the only way, and that's the, that's the way we want it. In Christ is the only way we can keep his word, but he has promised that they will. He's promised that his church will keep his word. That is so powerful. That's so rich. That's so good for people to know, believers to know in Christ. Now, I am a failure, but in Christ, I've kept his word. Let's look here again. John chapter 17, verse 11. The same subject is brought up. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thy own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Here we have the Lord saying, same word as we found over there in the book of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 9, this word, uh, I'm of them which keep. I'm of them that keep. Who's the keeper? The Lord God Almighty. It says there in verse 11, in John chapter 17 and verse 11, I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thy own name those whom thou hast given me. He is the keeper of those who keep the word. He's the only one that can promote that in our soul. He's the only one that can cause the church to keep the word of God. And it's not presumptuous. It's just taking God's promise and saying, I'm one of those that keeps the words of this book. And what he's saying is, I'm dependent on Christ. No one else. I'm not dependent upon me. I've talked to people, or heard of people, I've never talked, heard of people that have memorized most of the Bible. I heard this one guy, about a guy down in the Medford area one time, he told another man, he says, for every verse you quote, I'll quote you 10. For every chapter, I'll quote you 10. And for every book you quote, I'll quote you 10. Whoopee. You know, I'm afraid the man was on the left-hand side because it takes more than quoting the book. You got to know someone who the book declares kept, kept by God. Another verse, 17 verse 12. It says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. I kept them. He's the keeper. I kept them. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And in verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. How are we kept from the evil? He keeps us. How do we keep the word? He keeps us. How do we keep the book? He keeps us. We must be found in Christ because he has done all of that on our behalf. Now, don't stop reading it. But we know the book only because of Christ. And we keep the book only because of Christ. And we're kept only because of Christ. Our security is the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing that we have done at all. It is because of Christ. In the book of uh, Matthew chapter 27, it shares with us a little bit of how this is applied in the, from a human standpoint. The Lord Jesus Christ had some keepers. Matthew chapter 27, verse 36. The Lord Jesus Christ had some keepers. He had some people watching him. Matthew chapter 27, verse 36. 
And this is, I'm of them which keep the sayings of this book. I am kept by the power of God. Matthew 27, verse 36, it says here, And sitting down, they watched him there. This word watches, they kept view of him. These are those who were there to watch his crucifixion and the results of the crucifixion from a physical standpoint. They sat down and watched him or kept view of him. And then in chapter 27 and verse 54, it says this, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. They were watching, the same word, watching If we look at this from God's standpoint, he's watching, keeping. From a human standpoint, here's some people on the ground. They're watching the Lord. They're watching, keeping the the, uh, earthquake. And then in verse chapter 28 and verse 4, it says this. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Keepers. Now that word is used about men who are trying to keep something and it's used about God who keeps his people. Keeps them. Keeps them. And in chapter 28 and verse 20, teach them to observe. That word observe is the same word as keep. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. So how did this person, he's simply saying, this angel is saying to John, who attempted to bow down and worship him. He is saying, number one, I'm your fellow servant. We serve the same king. Number two, I'm of your brethren, the prophets. We're co-equal, we're sent. We're sent. I didn't call this on myself. You didn't call it on yourself. We're sent of God. We're a delegate. We're a messenger. We're one sent with orders. And we solemnly declare to men what we have received. And thirdly, he's saying, I am just blood bought like you are. I am one that keeps the word, but I have one that kept it for me. I'm not special. I need this special watch and care over me by God Almighty, or I will not make it. I'm not here by my own effort. I'm here because he is faithful to his word, and everyone that the Father gave to the Son, the Father has kept him in the faith. I'm dependent upon the Father for all I am and all I have. So don't worship me. And Thomas, oh, he's got a big down the road for not being in church on that one Sunday. Uh, I've heard him run down the road. He wasn't in church, and that's why I missed the blessing. But he's the only one we have record of of saying, my Lord and my God. Now the rest of them we know they did, but we have the record. Jesus said that time when he came in, unless unless I see him, I'll not believe. And Jesus knew that saying had been passed over his lips. And he says, come over here, Thomas. Run your fingers into my... And, and, And Thomas didn't have to. Thomas confessed this confession. My Lord and my God. And that angel told John... Worship 
God. Now, John knew that. He knew all about that. But he was caught. Here is a being that is so glorious and has shown me so much. And I've seen so much that I'm just going to pay him homage and bow down and worship him. I think he might even be the Savior. And that being, that angel, that man said, No, no, no. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I've stepped over the foam. I've gone over the river. I've gone into the land. And this is what you get when you go over there. This is what you'll look like. I'm just a servant, a fellow servant. I'm just a prophet, a preacher like you, and I needed to be blood-bought. I have a Father that keeps me, and that's the only way I can keep the words of this book. So, John didn't bow any further. He didn't argue. He didn't say, well, I think I'll go do it anyway. No, that was enough. And then the, it says, And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. I remember Dan, reading Daniel. Daniel was told, Seal up the book. Got some years to go. Now this is open. What's happening today? The revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Be comforted. Be comforted in the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, we'll close with that.